This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello, and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Emmy Birch, and today we're talking to Molly Lieberman with Loop It Up Savannah. Molly is an entrepreneur, community leader, and all-around amazing human who is on a mission to change kids' lives and invigorate the community. In this conversation with Molly, you'll learn the story of Loop It Up, but more importantly, you'll learn why it's important to pay attention, respond, listen, and connect. It's that power of collaboration and keeping your why at center that makes everything possible. I can't wait for you to hear all about Loop It Up Savannah, where it came from, what it's doing, and how you can learn from the process of creating the organization. If you're looking to connect with all of the hosts or find more content related to illumination, please check us out over at patreon.com slash the illuminate pod. Of course, if you could like and review us, that's how more people hear these stories and also find ways for life to be illuminated. We'd also love to hear from you. Follow us on social media, the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram, all sorts of things. It's really an honor to be one of your hosts and to bring you these episodes every week and every month. I can't wait for you to hear this one, so please sit back and enjoy. Today on the Illuminate Podcast, we are talking to Molly Lieberman with Loop It Up Savannah. Hi, Molly. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to be having this conversation. I wish that every listener could see the beautiful mural behind your head. Thank you. People will have to imagine the most beautiful kid-created mural they possibly can. That's what it looks like. Kid cre- We're going to get into why there's a kid-created mural behind you right now, but tell the listeners, who's Molly Lieberman? So I am the founder and executive director of Loop It Up Savannah, which is a youth arts education and enrichment nonprofit based in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I'm also a daughter, a sister, and a godmother and a a dog mother as well. (laughs) Yes, you have lots of awesome dogs. So tell me, how did you get into art? Did you grow up doing art? I did. So both my mom and dad are creative people. Um, My dad was a musician. My mom was a dancer and is now a painter. So art was very, very much in the house when my sister and I were growing up. Um, We just kind of grew up making things and doing art projects and being creative. And so that was always a big piece of my identity as a kid. And as I got older, um, I realized that probably I could do something related to art and creativity in terms of a career. So um, I ended up coming down to Savannah and going to SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, where I was a student in the fibers department um, and had the opportunity to end up starting Loop It Up through there. But we'll talk much more about that later, I'm sure. But it's always just kind of been, I've always been a creative person and always looked for ways to share that creativity with other people. All right, before we dive into why you were creative growing up, what's fibers? Yeah, so fibers is basically like everything related to fabric and yarn and pattern design, making things with 
fibrous materials, I guess you could say, but it's not specifically fashion. So fashion is, of course, you know, making and designing clothes. Fibers might be designing the fabric, making um, handmade items out of fabric or yarn or something like that. And then it could also be, um, you know, sort of fine art direction using that type of tactile materials. So fibers was the medium and what you could do with that was endless possibilities. Endless. Yeah. A lot of people that I went to school with, um, you know, are fabric or wallpaper or rug designers. Now, some of them make things, you know, are makers, they make things, they have their own lines of products and things. Um, So it's kind of the sky's the limit with that medium of what you can do. Where were you before SCAD? Where did you grow up? I grew up in um, Northampton, Massachusetts, so it's not the Boston side of the state, but the other side of the state. Um, So Northampton is a wonderful small town that um, is in an area called the Five College area. So there's a bunch of really amazing schools kind of all packed into this beautiful um, farm community, really, that's on the Connecticut River. So it's a wonderful place to grow up, a lot of really... um, interesting, kind, forward-thinking people are there because of all the schools. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I grew up. And um, the only thing I don't love about it is the weather in the winter. It's freezing for months. Um, Otherwise, it's just like one of those kind of beautiful, ideal places. Um, So that's a a really special place that I'm fortunate to have spent my early years. So once you chose Savannah to do fibers and you went to SCAD, what made you stick around and stay? You said that Loop It Up started in the fibers department, but was that the reason? Were you hooked on Savannah? So it's funny you ask because I um, I actually, there was just something about Savannah. I knew that I wanted to live in Savannah as soon as I came here, even before I looked at the school. I remember coming down with my dad and we you know, landed and came into the city. And I think we were walking around and went out for dinner. And I remember just saying to him, I don't know why, but I just have this feeling I'm supposed to be here. And he said, oh, that's, that's interesting. You know, we hadn't looked at the school yet. And um, so there was just something about Savannah that instantly spoke to me and kind of drew me in. I joke about it now that it was our students that loop it up calling me. Many of them probably weren't even born yet at that point. But, you know, a couple of years later, I would meet them and I realized, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm supposed to be here. But there was just, you know, something about Savannah. I, I've talked to other people that have had that experience mm-hmm. where this place just kind of lets you know that you belong to it, you know? So, it does. Yeah. So I kind of made up my mind that I was going to move here before um, before I even visited the school. And then the next day I visited the school and decided that was a good fit for me as well. So it all kind of worked out, but um, it's a special place for sure. I love that you say that because Savannah is a beautiful little Southern town. If you haven't been to Savannah and you're listening, you totally need to come visit. And I remember walking down the river when I first came to visit and feeling like I could not wait to be here all the time. Mm -hmm. And at that time I had years left of school, didn't know where I'd end up and to call it home now. It's such a beautiful place. Yeah, it really is. It's a special place. And it's, it's, I think it's a good combination of Um, it's beautiful and like a really nice place to live, but then there's also all of these things that need us to be here working on them and working within them. So it's like a good balance of if, if you care about 
working in your community and helping it grow to become the best possible community it can be. There's there's a lot to chew on here. There's a lot to do in that realm. Um, there's a lot of really great people committed to working together to make Savannah the most kind of vibrant, equitable place that it can be. So there's that side. And then it's also a nice place to be and you can in, enjoy your life as well as working hard. So, yeah, so that work-life balance. I love it. Yes. So if you weren't from here and you were in school, how did you put yourself out there to see the needs of the community? What What was your first memory of the need in the community? Well, I remember um, at the end of my freshman year at SCAD, I remember when we were all moving out of the dorms and people had like all these art supplies and it was people were traveling and they couldn't necessarily bring them with them. I remember like thinking, man, I, I bet there's like kids in Savannah that would love to have these art supplies and some of them were being thrown away. And I was just so like hurt by that. And I just kept thinking about, I know there's kids probably like within a stone's throw of where we are that would love to have these. Um, and actually, interestingly, SCAD now has a program where they collect all of the art supplies and get them out to local schools. So that that issue doesn't happen anymore, which I'm so happy Good. about. But I, that was kind of my first like thinking about the Savannah community. Um, and then the next year, I kind of got tapped to help with this kids knitting and crochet class that was going to start at the West Broad Street YMCA. So uh, my friend Howard Morrison, he was a board member at the Y and he had had Howard, for those that don't know him, was like this incredible connector of people and resources. He had a million good ideas and he also had this sort of way of figuring out who needed to be involved in a project to, to make it work for it mm -hmm. to take off. So he had met with um, this group of people from an uh, organization called the Craft Yarn Council of America, which is like all the big yarn companies, like what you would buy at Michael's. So like Red Heart Yarn, Lions Brand, all that. So they had met, I think um, probably when they were down here having a meeting with CETA or something. And they um, were telling him that they had this program in New York called the Warm Up America program. And it was an intergenerational knitting and crochet class that they were doing in public housing neighborhoods in Manhattan. And Howard thought, wow, that would be really cool if we had something like that in Savannah at the West Broad Street YMCA. And we have kids in the neighborhood. We have seniors in the neighborhood that could work together and like learn this or teach the skill or learn the skill and share stories and just kind of build community together. So he, in his, in his classic Howard way, started thinking about who are the people that could make this happen. And so he pulled all these people together, including he went to the fibers department at SCAD and talked to um, Kiowa Easley, who's the chair of the department, who's a close friend of mine now. Um, and he just said, I want to start this at this YMCA around the corner. Do you have any students that might like to help? And she immediately said, you know, I think Molly would like this. <laughs> and, and so I kind of got plugged into it that way. And from the first day that I went over to the Y, um, I just knew that that was why I had wanted to move here. Like it was just like meeting the kids, meeting the families, meeting the staff at the Y. It was just so clear that we were 
kind of we 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 had things that the other one was looking for and waiting for you know for mm-hmm. me it was a great opportunity to share something that I love with kids that weren't necessarily getting access to it other other ways um and it was just like a really just a wonderful family to get to join at that point I love that you have Howard, whose wife Mary is also wonderful. Shout out to Mary and Howard. Yes. Mary's carrying on the the vision. You had Howard, who was such a people connector. Mm -hmm. And then you were willing to jump in and share something that you were passionate about. You had a location, a part of the community that would benefit. And did the yarn, the corporate sponsors, did they stay on board and provide materials? What were the other elements that kind of set up that first Yeah, sure. So yeah, they donated an unbelievable amount of yarn and fabric because we, we literally started with this idea and an empty room, you know? Mm. And so they, when they sent down all these materials we had, it was just so inspiring. The kids couldn't believe how much beautiful yarn and fabric there was. And we had, you know, like hundreds of sets of knitting needles and crochet hooks. And it was just this really like specific and creative way to like engage a group of kids. So they were super helpful sharing uh, resources with us at the beginning. And um, we've, you know, stayed in touch a little bit over the years. And it's, it's really amazing to see what has grown out of that, that initial spark that happened back in 2008. So walk us through that spark growing into loop. So it started as an outreach program in an empty room at a local YMCA. Mm -hmm. How did it grow to loop it up Savannah? Yes. So it has been, it has been a journey as you can imagine. Um, so we, we started with just teaching knitting and crochet to maybe like eight or 10 kids, um, after school a couple times a week. And I, the, the kids really enjoyed it. They were, they learned how to do it. They were good at it. And I appreciated that, but I also felt like There were a lot of stories that needed to be told and there was kind of this need for opportunities for self-expression. And so I wanted to sort of branch out from just doing knitting and crochet to include other types of art that are more expressive and kind of more conducive to exploring and also sharing who you are, both as an individual and as a member of a community. Um, so we started to do a lot of painting and writing projects and just pretty much any creative way you can tell about who you are and what's going on in your, your life and in your neighborhood. So we kind of expanded content wise that way. And, um, the program started to grow more kids started to come after school. Um, then we started to work in the early learning center at the Y as well. So branching out to younger kids. Um, and, and I just started kind of self-educating a lot about what was developmentally appropriate for different ages, coming up with project ideas based on, um, you know, developmental stages of early childhood. So just kind of learning a lot, talking to a lot of people that, did stuff like this that I happen to know in various places. And it just kind of started to really turn into this solid thing that happened at the Y. And then um, Peter Dolliber, who had been the director at the Y at that point, um, he, I think he kind of had, he and Howard both had 
way more of a vision about me and, and this program and what it could become and where we could go than I did. Cause I was, you know, I was 19 when all this started. So I didn't, I didn't really have a sense of that this could turn into what I did with my life, you know? Um, but they were kind of always very encouraging and helpful in terms of connecting me to other organizations that wanted to have the program come to them. And um, Howard eventually connected me to um, a classroom at Brock Elementary School. And so that was how we first started going into schools. So I stayed at the Y um, and built the program there, but kind of brought it to neighboring community centers and schools until early 2015. And then in 2015, we incorporated as our own organization. And um, what we do now is we go into the schools. So we work with pretty much all of the Title I elementary schools, plus some non-Title I schools as well. Um, we also work with some middle and high schools, and we bring a variety of of arts, arts integration, mindfulness, yoga, steam, gardening, cooking, music, pretty much any fun thing that kids would like to do. We have programs that bring that into the schools, both during the day and after school. Um, and we work really closely with teachers and principals to figure out how that makes sense in each school. So it's not just kind of like this random fun thing that sits on the surface, we work with the school to help kind of help them achieve goals that they may have and also to really weave the program into the fabric of what happens there. So it's unique to every location and every community. And yet, as you say in your mission statement, make things and be nice. Mm -hmm. You're providing an outlet for every single one of these young people to express themselves, learn a new, a new skill and learn how to be kind and nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. How did you come up with the the whole uh, mission statement and what's it been like transitioning from working under the YMCA or at Brock Elementary into being your own incorporated organization? Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely been, um, all of it has been a real like organic process because as I mentioned before, none of, none of this for me at least was really planned. It wasn't like I had, you know, come up with like a strategic vision for what this organization would be. It was sort of like responding, paying attention in each situation and responding to the feedback and um, ideas and the assets of different communities and also the, the interests and needs. Um, so just kind of, you know, over time, listening and collaborating and figuring out how the resources that we have and the ideas that we have and the, as an organization can mesh with what's going on in each of these places. So that, that mindset has served us really well organizationally because we're, we've sort of known at this point to be an organization that can help a school or an organization get something done that they want to get done. Like if they want to do a mural project or if they're working on steam certification or they want to do a school garden, or maybe there's kids that are having, um, you know, behavior challenges and they want to try mindfulness or something like that. We're an organization that they see as a partner that can help with achieving what those goals are. Um, so, so I'm, that's something I'm really proud of that, our whole team has that outlook 
because we have a team at this point. It's not just me in the art closet anymore. We have, we have a staff that, you know, runs the programs and so forth. And, um, you know, we, it's, that's just kind of kept opening doors um, of possibility and also of resources to support what we do. Before we come back to resources, where did the name Loop It Up come from? Yes, that's that's a great question. So, of course, because it all started with knitting and crochet, which, of course, is like making loops with yarn, you know, um, we, Kiowa, who's the fibers department chair, she and I were trying to figure out a, a name that would sort of describe the program, but also that kids would think was cool. So we were like brainstorming and trying to think of all these names. We came up with a whole lot of things that were not great. And then I think she finally said, how about loop it up? And I said, that's it. That's it. Kids will love that, you know? So initially it was loop in terms of loops of yarn, Mm -hmm. but now I think it's still a relevant name because we're sort of a, a organization that connects people and resources and things at this point. Um, sometimes we help close the loop. Like a lot of times, um, a, partner that we're working with will have an idea and they'll have resources and they'll have like their staff that's able to do all these amazing things but there's like some piece that's kind of missing and we can provide that and like help close the loop so that's that's how I think of it at this point still still a relevant name even though um different than why we had initially thought of it I love it it goes back to your roots but then it also speaks so much to your future Let's talk about where you get your resources. You're a 501c3. Where do you get your funding and how do you have the time and the resources to go into so many different places and do so many different things? Sure. So we um, we are funded through a variety of, of different streams and sources. We have some grants that are from local foundations. We have some grants that are from local government, from the city or the county. Um, we have grants from the Georgia Council for the Arts. Um, And then we also have contracts with various groups. So a lot we our biggest partner is our school district. So we'll we'll contract with the school district to provide specific services. So we've kind of got grants that fund specific programs and projects, contracts that fund specific programs and projects, and then also just donations. We have a wonderful base of donors that are just like so supportive it's overwhelming we're in the middle of our annual campaign right now and it's it's I'm just so grateful every single day of how many people support at whatever level they can believe in the work um you know people do that financially but then they also do that and with their time and and volunteering and doing book drives and art supply drives for us so we're really supported um in a a whole host of different ways, which is kind of the goal as a nonprofit, because things change. Sometimes you're getting a grant for years and then that resource dries up. And so you have to make sure that you have resources coming from different places so that you always have what you need. So we're really grateful. We um, last this year was our first year being funded by United Way in Savannah. So that was a really big accomplishment. Um, We work with a group called Resilient Georgia that funds um, coalitions of organizations throughout the state to build more trauma responsive and trauma informed spaces and places and environments and policies. So that 
funds our mindfulness programming a whole bunch. And, you know, just, uh, it's amazing the resources that are out there and you just have to kind of keep doing what you do and sharing what you do. And it's possible to figure out how to, how to find support to make it happen. You say all of this with such a positive spin and with such with a smile on your face and grant writing is time consuming and seeking these grants are time consuming and going out and starting your own something can be scary. So let's say someone's listening right now that is passionate about something. What tips or advice would you give them as they set off on their journey? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the most important thing is to keep, keep whatever it is that's the reason for why you're doing it, always keep that or them at the center. So in our case, that's our students, you know, the kids that we work with, the families that we work with, the educators that we work with, they are the why. They are the reason that we're doing all and any of this. And so always keeping them kind of at the helm, making decisions, based on them and what's going to be good for them rather than any of these complicated uh you know things that exist in 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 the world you know it's like there's mm-hmm. always there's always political things there's always various complicated social things going on in a community and while we have to respond and engage with all of that because that's what it means to be part of a community sometimes you can't let that distract you. You can't let that distract you from why you're doing what you're doing. And so that would be my number one piece of advice is like, just think of why you're doing it every single day and make decisions based on that rather than anybody or anything else. Um, And then the other thing is to like ask for help and accept help when you're offered because there's so many things about building something from the ground up or running something, even if it's already there, if you walk into a position, you have to run an organization. There's just so many things that no matter how smart or insightful or educated you are, there's so many things that there's no way you would know how it works. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I think there's a lot of pressure, especially for women like to be able to do it all and figure it out and be competent and so on. And it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to accept help. And it's, it's always disappointing when somebody doesn't accept help and it ends up kind of like taking a toll on their why, you know? And so Mm. that's, those are kind of two, basically the, actually the same thing, (laughs) keeping your why at the forefront, but, but one is, sort of more um, conceptual and the other is very concrete, you know, accepting help and asking for help. I think that's great words of wisdom. And it's so fun to see how this organization has grown because I first met you back in 2010 and 11 when you were still over at Brock and the YMCA. And it's so awesome to see how you've now grown and gone off on your own and to see your team is just huge. I was exploring your website Mm -hmm. and the team is huge and that you've impacted 10,000 young people each year. Yes. What's tell me about some of the success stories of kids who have gone through your programs and keep in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. So there's um, you know, it's it's thousands of kids that we've worked with at this point. And so there's literally no greater joy than 
running into one of our students down the road and seeing how they're doing and having conversations about what they remember doing in the program. Um, So we have some students that are teachers now. We have some students that are police officers. We have some that are social workers and artists, pretty much every field that you could imagine. Somebody who's doing something great. And also just like, you know, some of them are parents. And one of the most moving experiences actually was one of our students just had her first baby. And she reached out to me on Facebook and she said, you know, I'm having a baby next month. And I remember when I was little, you taught me how to make a quilt and I really want to make a quilt for the baby because I remember that this was something that brought me a lot of happiness. And that just made me so like proud of her and happy and just kind of like, you know, that is as much our goal as anything is to have created a space where a child feels safe and happy and good and seen. And now they're going to be a parent and they want to share that with their child as well. Like that was just such a beautiful, just a beautiful experience. Um, So, you know, things like that are very, very rewarding. Um, Also just, you know, you know, this many kids are do in your program every year. It's like, you can't really go anywhere without running into somebody that, you know, and you might not know how you know them, but you know, that like, you had a good time together, <laughs> you know, you know, mm-hmm. we made, oh, we made yes. something beautiful together at some point. I love that this new mom is thinking of the memories and the feeling associated with making a quilt. Mm-hmm. And she wants to replicate that feeling for her child. What a beautiful story to share then with supporters of Loop It Up and other people who are creating ideas that it's not just the product. It's not just you're making things and being nice. Right. You're, it's the, the feeling of all of the pieces. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other programs and things that you're doing around the community this year that you're really excited for? Yeah, so we it's interesting. We kind of have gotten, um, taken, we've gotten a little bit more specific, um, in terms of how we organize what we do. So we have Mm -hmm. like a couple of main programs that almost everything we do fall under in one way or another. So those programs are our looping literacy together program, which is a literacy and arts integration program. So we were Mm -hmm. a lot of times we've been, you know, including books and reading or writing in our art project, but through partnerships with principals and teachers, we realized that there was a really big need for supporting kids with literacy starting really young in preschool and kindergarten and um, using art as kind of a way to um, fully engage in the process of reading, in comprehension, in writing. So we developed this program Um, in partnership with Brock Elementary, same school that we started out at actually, um, working with the kindergarten and pre-K students doing a weekly program that um, there's like a unit that's based on a specific children's book. And there's all sorts of creative and um, creative projects and also exercises, helping the kids with comprehension and actual mechanics of reading. Um, So that program started at one school. Now we have it at five schools and two community centers. And we actually are next semester going to be expanding it to first, second, and third grade as well, because so many, so many students are, 
are struggling with reading coming back after virtual learning. Um, so mm -hmm. we're expanding that now to some older grades. So that's kind of one bubble that we've got going. We also have um, our mindfulness program, which started um, a couple of years ago. We had an opportunity to partner with Savannah Yoga Center to bring some yoga teachers in training into the schools to do um, they needed to do student teaching for their certification and, and we were trying to have a summer of rest and relaxation within summer school which is like a total contradiction you know our, yes. our summer camp is like you know and we were like we need to have we need to have some inner peace but we we managed it by working with them and um, we were just amazed with how quickly the students responded to yoga and they loved it and it was like very calming and people were happier and and so we decided to pull that into our after school programming and then the following summer um, the principal at Juliet Lowe Elementary had reached out to me and asked could you build a mindfulness zone in my school and I said oh, wow sure we would love to do that because we all read about you know, these situations in other cities where people, schools started implementing mindfulness and all of a sudden, like, you know, their behavior challenges went right down, their suspension rates went way down. So we were very excited to have an opportunity to try this in Savannah. So we piloted that program at Juliet Lowe. Um, and then we had plans to expand it to Gadsden and Brock Elementary and then COVID hit. So, um, we ended up developing lots of ways to do mindfulness virtually. We did a lot of things virtually yes. on Zoom throughout the pandemic. But, um, but anyways, now we have a curriculum for mindfulness for elementary and we're finishing up the first version of our early learning mindfulness curriculum. So that will start the kids really young. Um, and for maybe people that don't really know what mindfulness is and how it connects to schools, um, it's basically a, it's a way of just helping people be present and in the moment and able to process their feelings and emotions and not try to shove them under the rug or have really strong, unhealthy reactions. So what that translates to with the students is, um, you know, we teach them breathing techniques, we teach them different types of strategies for acknowledging your feelings, accepting your feelings, but expressing them in ways that are not harmful or hurtful to yourself or others. So as you can imagine for kids that have just gone through this tumultuous experience with the pandemic, it's more important than ever that we, that we really help them build those tools and build those social skills as they're now, you know, back in school all day with peers. So, so that's another big thing that we do. We also have um, a lot of STEAM programming that we do. So that is sometimes um, takes place in our after-school programs. Sometimes it takes place in the form of school garden projects and programs. Um, there's a bunch of schools in Savannah that are working on becoming STEAM certified right now. So we've um, partnered with a handful of them to help with like STEAM days and there are also sorts of different activities. We worked really heavily with Gadsden on that last year. And now we're working with Garden City Elementary and Savannah High and a few others. So um, 
most of what we do fits under one of those three programs. Um, and then we also are so excited. We love working with the school district on their 21st century after school program. So that program is currently at 15 schools, 10 elementary, three middle and two high schools. And so that program happens five days a week after school, also throughout the summer. And that's a great way to reach lots of students um, with pretty much all of, all of what I just mentioned and a little bit more as well. So we're busy. You are, but it all stems back to that original epiphany. Like you got tapped as mm -hmm. an 18, 19 year old yes. to go help with crocheting and knitting. Mm -hmm. And through putting yourself in that situation, you realized that there was a need for community and conversation and self-expression. And every single one of those massive programs, what started as knitting and crocheting, is now creating a space for the youth of our community to self-express and explore and get empowered and equipped to take it on to the next level. Yes. To take, How to cool. Take, to take on life, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. You're empowering them. Life is not easy, but we can do hard things and you're teaching them how. Yes. It's really, it's, a, it's just an honor and a joy to get to, to get to do this and to get to work with all these incredible people that are also, you know, on the same page. Like we just, I, we love working with principals. We love working with teachers and just really seeing how brilliant they are and how much they've figured out and that we get to learn from them and work together and support this kind of overall vision with the students is really, it's just a gift to get to be part of that. To make things and be nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'll come back to how people can learn more about Loop It Up and get in touch with you and different things that the organization is doing. But let's wrap up with these awesome Illuminate end of podcast questions. Okay. All right. So I know you're doing 8 million different programs and running a massive 501c3, but what is the best or most recent book you've read? So I don't know if I can tell you the best, but um, most recent and very good, um, there is a book called mindfulness in the classroom and it is excellent it's about it's about implementing mindfulness incorporating mindfulness into school settings so i would very highly recommend this to anybody in education um, but all even if you're not in education i think it's just like a really helpful read in terms of thinking about how um, simple things that we can do to change our outlook and environment can really make a big difference in our quality of life. I love it, the ripple effect. Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. Who or what is illuminating or inspiring you right now? Always our students. Always our yes. students. They're always your why. Yes, they're the why. Um, also, my staff it has just rocked it out. Like Team Loop It Up has been through so many different versions of doing what we do in the past two years. And everybody has just been amazing. We've, we've had to figure out how to do what we do in all these different modes. And everyone has really done an amazing job making sure that it happens. So definitely our staff. Also, um, literally everybody that works for our school district, like, everybody. I mean, it's yeah. like, we've just seen through the last couple of years, how completely essential every single role 
is to the success of a child and the success of a school. So, you know, our teachers, our school nutrition workers, our custodians, bus drivers, principals, behavior specialists, like just all of them are such an inspiration because everyone keeps going in spite of how hard it is. And clearly it is, you know, kind of keeping the why, which again is the students at the center. I love that we keep going back to that. It's always them. <laughs> it is always yeah. them. Well, I really want to make sure that we illuminate Loop It Up, but is there another organization or anything you would like to illuminate? Sure. Well, there's there are so many amazing organizations in Savannah that have been really, really committed um, to their kids and to their families and whoever it is that they serve. Um, it's going to be hard for me to call out to call out one or two, but, you know, um, a couple of the boards that I sit on, um, I sit on the board at the West Broad Y now where we started. So West Broad Y is always just a really precious place. They have an early learning center. They have a community garden. They have after school programs and senior programs. So West Broad Y is an amazing one. Um, another great one is Shelter from the Rain, which is an organization that supports um, single moms and single mom families. They support them with education as well as various types of resources. Um, a newer organization that I'm on the board for um, is called One Seed and it supports small nonprofits with mini grants. Every month um, we give a $500 mini grant to a small neighborhood organization or a new organization and kind of support whatever it is they're doing, because so many, so many, um, real like organizations that are like on the ground doing so much work and you don't necessarily hear about them. If you don't, they don't happen to be in the neighborhood or the layer of Savannah or community that you're in. And so I love one seed because it really helps those organizations that are in there with families every day, but it also, um, shares about them with the broader community. Those are such great organizations. Thanks for sharing those Absolutely. too. Absolutely. What is the message that you want to send to the world today? That's an, another good question. I think um, kind of similar to what I was talking about before of just what whatever you do, keep your why at the center. I think there's so much, um, there's so much that's hard right now. Um, everybody's having a hard time. Things do not make sense. We're trying to rebuild and move forward. And there's a lot of distractions from what really matters and a lot of conflict and tension between people for all different reasons. Um, so I think just trying to stay focused on what you can do, what is within your control. There's lots of things that are not within our control right now and are mm -hmm. difficult, but there's always something that you can do and you should focus on doing it because you'll feel better. You won't be lost and feel kind of hopeless the way that we can when we think about all these big picture things. Sometimes um, you'll feel better and also it'll, it'll make a difference in, in whatever your space is. It'll, it'll matter that you did it. I love it. There's always something you can do. Yeah. Molly, this has been so fun to eliminate what you're doing over at Loop It Up. And I'm just so proud to have you in our community and to get this story out to the world outside of Savannah. Thank you for sharing. How can people find out more about Loop It Up? 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always nice to get to share a little, little sliver of what we're doing. Um, people can visit us online. Our website is loopitupsavannah.com. So there's lots of information on there. We have a blog that kind of updates things going on with different programs. Um, also you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are frequent posters to all three. We have not delved into TikTok yet, but um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, if you just search for Loop It Up, you'll find us. And we, we post regularly throughout the day because we just have so many things going on in different places that we're really excited to share. So any of those, you can connect with us that way. And if anybody is interested in getting involved, you can message us on any of those platforms. There's also a contact us link um, on our website and we're always looking for new partners, volunteers, people to connect with in new ways. It all started because of connecting people and look at what you're doing as you loop it up throughout Savannah. This is so cool. Thanks, Molly. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Make things and be nice. Find ways to create vibrant and equitable opportunities by paying attention, responding, and listening. What are the needs and the interest in your community? We talked about the power of mindfulness and how when you keep your why at the center and just take action, things will happen. I really enjoyed talking to Molly. I hope that you are inspired by the Loop It Up story. Check out all the details in the program notes. I hope that you feel illuminated, that you know that whatever you're doing is really important to this world. It's been an honor to share this time with you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Illuminate Podcast.